You know, if you haven't checked out What Chaos yet, you oughta, because we've had all your favorite players on the show. I'm talking Seth Jones, Lena Solmar, Connor Bedard, whoever it may be. We're live every day on YouTube at noon Eastern, but also available on all podcast platforms, including the one you're listening to right now. We got guests, and yeah, we're also doing a bit of chit-chat, goofing around, laughing at what makes us laugh in hockey. So regardless of how deep you are into your hockey fandom, Come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team. We'll talk about your least favorite team and everybody in between. And we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network. Hang on here. It's it's Monday, right? Uh, Yep, Monday. All right, perfect. That means... I get to talk about my balls because yes. it's Monday. Yes. <laughs> and talking about Rudo balls. Look, you're sitting at home in quarantine. You got to take care of your junk, right? Because if you're with your significant other, you know, you want it to be looking good or you never know when something might happen. Someone needs to shelter in place. They got to come into your apartment. Who knows where that goes? So make sure you're keeping it real. Keep your stuff clean. And that's why Manscaped has redesigned their electric trimmer, engineering it for 18 months to make sure it's the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. And it is called the Lawnmower 3.0. You can get it delivered directly to your door. You don't have to go anywhere. You can get 20% off and free shipping when you use code DNVR20. And it doesn't matter how hairy and foresty it gets down there. The battery will last up to 90 minutes and you can take care of what you need. Go trim that junk of yours and get that 20% off and free shipping with DNVR 20. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole. A left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scores. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer, 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog, collective hugs, 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. They have over a thousand different varieties of beer to try and are still currently offering pickup or delivery options to get you the beer, wine, or liquor that you need. You can also download their app and sign up for their loyalty programs to get great deals on all of that. I am Rudo. He is AJ. The Avs just got done defeating the New Jersey Devils in New Jersey 3-1 to to take a 2-1 series lead in the 0-1 Cup Finals. It was a very Devils game, I would say. Not a lot of action. The final shot totals ended up being just 22 for the Devils and 21 for the Avs. So another low event affair, but the Avs managed to put a few in the back of the net. Yeah, and uh, no... I felt like there were no cheapies in this one. I felt like all the goals scored were uh, were pretty well earned by the teams. Uh, yeah, there was the conversation going on during the game about whether or not the the Bork goal was 
soft or not. I didn't think. I didn't. I don't think it is. Look, I think maybe in today's NHL, the goalie just raises the shoulder and makes the save. Mm-hmm. But back then, especially, and I think a lot of people probably underestimate or don't remember just how ridiculous Bork shot used to be. So I'm. I would not call it soft. That's for sure. I mean, pinpoint accuracy on that one. Yeah, I mean, it's just perfectly placed in that. That's that's it's right in this space right here, right? Like yep. right there where the glove just can't get up to it. And right. I think that's that's the the key there is that it just handcuffs you. I mean, you can only you, you can only be so flexible. You know, you got you got weak spots there. So I think that. Uh, uh, I thought, I thought, I mean, it's just a perfectly placed shot in terms of just how Brodeur is positioned. Obviously, you always get lucky when the goalie doesn't get in front of it. Very true. <laughs> you, you take your W's where you can. Uh, if the goalie doesn't get in front of it, it's a great shot, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's the whole point of shooting. <laughs> doesn't matter how it happens. I mean, hey, Martin Skula scored his first goal of the playoffs. Against Brodeur in this same game off of a shot where there were about 17 bodies in front of Brodeur, but they went in. So they all count the same. Knuckle puck and everything. Yeah. Yeah. uh, It happened, and my reaction was the same as the broadcast reaction, which was like, what? How did that puck go in the net? School got that? (laughs) Are Are we sure this happened? Yeah, the assists were from Podine and Messier as well. So <laughs> a very high event goal going on right there. Oh, jeez. And then on the other end, High Note scores the, the insurance goal later in the game. So the Evs got a little help from the uh, from the depth scoring in this one. Yeah, I mean, we say the depth scoring, but well, like yeah. their second line is Billy Neiman and Chris Drury and Dan High Note. You True know, they, enough. It's... If, if if we're getting into depth scoring on 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 their on their second line, then oh boy, <laughs> it's I mean it's just the reality of what was happening yeah. at the time. No, it's I, true. I mean, those are those are not high scoring players outside of Drury. Yep, and I mean, granted, having Ray Bork and and Rob Blake on the back end certainly helps lift that up a little bit too. But the the forward core, it was a team built to do things other than score at times when they were missing players like Forsberg and, and, and things like that, which by the way, how did Adam foot survive this series, man <laughs> is two it games is in a row. He got absolutely nuked. Yeah. Watching, watching him just power his way through this series, I mean, this is what the Detroit series prepared him for. Yeah. Where all of those Detroit series, when it was just mayhem, right? It was a different a different level of survival getting onto the ice every single shift. Uh, he, just a warrior, man. He was, he was an animal in that series. Hard to argue. Took a, quite a few penalties in this game in particular, but I don't know. I guess they were calling it tight. <laughs> Uh, equivalent 2001 tight we'll call it but yeah it's funny that you see these guys get just get rocked right and we've seen hits to the head and a, a number of hits to the head in this series and 
the things that we're seeing is like Tange like hooking a guy and like spinning him around. Yeah. And well, you're like, oh, and like a tripping call here or there. And you're like, okay, like, yeah, these are penalties. The, they, they called interference, and I was a shocked. I, I was a little bit shocked that they <laughs> called interference, given every single puck or, or every single net front battle where the puck is in the corner. And Sean O'Donnell is just cross checking everybody <laughs> that comes within reach of him. Like a robot. Well, <laughs> he looks like a. He's like, he looks like one of those Rock'em Sock'em robots with a stick. <laughs> just. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. He just, just like somebody's just mashing on it, you know, like the hungry hippo thing where you just hit the button as fast as you can and the hippo attacks the little ball. Yep. That's what it looked like, except <laughs> with cross checks. Well, somebody, that... somebody got, somebody got near him and it was just like, nope, gonna, gonna leave a stick sized bruise somewhere on this man's body. And you called out madden who literally like oh. jumped five feet into a check trying to hit like, ray bork <laughs> as as like launched himself as anybody could possibly <laughs> launch themselves on ice skates yep it was it was insane the way that he just threw himself through the air yeah like a man missile and ray bork just like casually like sidesteps it and is like <laughs> dude just clatters I, into the glass <laughs> yeah and, it, and the, the, they switched to good job by the, the the production crew to to get the camera angle just as it happened yep that was about all it caught in that corner you couldn't really see anything like normal yep i hate and, corner cam myself yeah it's usually a huge waste of time <laughs> and then, and then he goes flying into the into the boards and tries to smoke bork and it was like no harm, no foul. Nobody says anything about it on the broadcast. <laughs> and that's if anything like that happened now, it would be, ugh, it would be problematic. Yeah, it, it. I mean, it's even someone like Chris Jury, not really that big of a guy, especially for that time. And they showed a penalty. The penalty ended up getting called on Neiman, in I think. And they ran through a couple of the highlights, and Drury takes, like, four strides into a guy that hasn't had the puck for a good five seconds. And the announcer's like, yeah, that's a good clean hit. Good job by Drury there. And it's like, you're suspended for five games if you try that in today's league. When you could have picked something to call. Right. You could have picked a charge. You could have picked a board. You could have picked interference. So many things. It was just like, all right, let's just run the gamut of exactly what about that was illegal. And then the broadcast was like, great hit, totally clean. Yeah, well, that... And, and then they were like, oh, yeah, here's the boarding, which was super-duper boarding. Yeah, like extreme boarding. <laughs> <laughs> extreme boarding sounds like a game that just lost in our video game bracket. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Should extreme board everyone for letting NHL hits lose in the first round. Um, but... Moving on, I think the other thing that I'm starting to just accept again is that goalies just got run into all the time back then. Like, oh, yeah. It's just part of the game. They didn't really seem to pull goalie interference was the same as like a regular interference call in rarity. Tangate like casually cross-checked Marty Brooks yeah. in this game. <laughs> like just like skated by him and was like, oh, you caught the puck, blew the whistle, little check here. And then went about his business, and it was like I don't remember that being Alex Tangay's game, but 
everybody in this everybody in this series has developed some level of sandpaper. You had to. Even Joe Sackick bouncing off of uh, Scott Stevens and Niedermeyer a little bit there. I mean, he tried to hit him, but it's... Yeah, I mean, he held his own. He got swung yeah. around once, but he... You know, you don't expect him to to handle that situation. He held his own just fine. What a man! I, this is Scott <laughs> Stevens, yeah, and to be like, okay, I'm going into the corner. Here's the puck. Here's Scott Stevens. What am I going to prioritize? I am going to try to hit Scott Stevens. Here we go. Ready? One, two, three, go. Gonna try it. <laughs> and he lived to tell about it. I hope he has that tattoo somewhere. <laughs> hit Scott Stevens and lived. Survived hitting Scott Stevens. <laughs> He's not Paul Korea, just written yeah, on his own. No, there's there are no sad stories about him not remembering that night. Yep. All right. Well, we can go ahead and take our first period break here, as it's time to recognize Breckenridge Brewery. Got the agave wheat shirt on, repping them big time here. Always a great, delicious beer to have. I had one during the game tonight. Usually you need something to keep it interesting, the way the Devils play, especially when uh, when they really try and slow it down. But any type of Breckenridge brew that you enjoy, be it the Colorado Avalanche, the Agave Wheat, the Hop Peak, you name it, you can get those currently. One from the farmhouse for pickup. That is the easiest way to do it, to get it directly from Breckenridge. Or you can also use Drizzly, the alcohol delivery service, to get it shipped straight to your door. Super easy, super quick to use, and you can get your Breck brew. It's honestly the best way to do it. I've done it a couple times now, and I just get to sit at home and enjoy it. But if you want to use the pickup option, you can call Breckenridge Brewery at 303-803-1380. Anytime from noon to 8 p.m., you can come pick up the booze. All right. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits with Rudo and AJ. AJ, what so far has been the most surprising player to you in this series? Because we've talked about Sackick a lot. Obviously, everyone knows Ray Bork, Rob Blake, the Hall of Famers. But who is the player that is kind of you forgot about? Uh, I mean, it's I think it's Chris Drury. Yeah. He's been, to my eye, I think he's been their second or third best player so far in this series. And... You look at the the insurance goal, the three to one goal. Yep, uh, he's the one who carries the puck in, makes the nice play to Neiman, gets rocked. It's fine. Yep, he you know, obviously gets right back up and just keeps doing it. He's physical. Uh, he's he's putting pressure on on the New Jersey defense so that they have to. They have to they have to keep that in mind when they're when they're rotating their defensemen and they're trying to they're trying to play matchups. You know, obviously they're going to roll Stevens out against Sackick as often as possible. It makes the most sense, of course. That's that's what you would do, right? But it's it's really also like Drury is punishing that matchup. They're trying to get away with Colin White against him, and and he's destroying Colin White destroying him like personally through three <laughs> games Colin White before game four is waking up in cold sweats w- with nightmares of Chris Drury right now <laughs> ba- 
bad Chris, times. Chris Drury has just dominated him up to this point. Yeah, and I mean, it it is a bit of an interesting scenario. You know, we talk about how the Avs basically have Chris Drury as their one key depth scorer, right? maybe that plays into playing the same way the Devils like to play a little bit where it does get a little bit grindier and the Devils, I don't know if I want to call it controlling the momentum, but asserting their style of play on the game maybe doesn't seem to have quite as big of an effect. In this one, the Devils only had three shots on goal themselves in the second period. So the abs are able to limit in that regard pretty decently as well. Yeah, I mean, defensively, as a, as a whole group, they have really stepped up nicely. Um, my appreciation for John Clem has gone up quite a bit in this rewatch. Uh, watching him take on the harder, some of the harder matchups as well. Yeah. Um, and and just deal with what the, the I mean, that New Jersey forecheck is nasty. Yep. They are all over them. And, you know, John Clem isn't a guy that we think of as like, a, oh, he's not a puck mover, right? But he was he was really effective in in what they've been asking him to do and yeah. and kind of just surviving back there. Uh, my I, I John Klein was like one of those names I I always remembered. Sure, but like you don't remember defensive defensemen in the same way unless they're of an Adam Foot ilk or Scott Stevens type, right? Right, very. Uh, you have to do something that makes you stand out a lot in that type of role to be remembered. And and Clem wasn't that type of player, but that didn't mean he wasn't very solid. Right. Like he's not the guy he's not taking on their top matchup. You know, he's not taking on that a line. I think is what they keep calling it. Yeah. Arnott. Like, uh, Arnott. Yeah. And Sakura and Eliash. Uh, he's, he's largely going up against uh, the Gomez line and the Gomez line has accomplished nothing. Yep. And I think that that's a credit so far to to John Clem and the matchup and how they've played. Uh, and that, look, like you're talking New Jersey's advantage with without Forsberg is going to be that their top six is, is a little bit better. There's yep. a little bit more talent, a um, little more high-scoring talent. And that second unit has not made, has not made really any difference in the series. The, the one game, you know, we're done. We're through three so far. Jason Arnott scored in this game, but the one game that they won, they got goals from Turner Stevenson and Bob Corkum. Otherwise, they've got they've got three goals in three games. Like Colorado defensively is eating them up. Yep, really able to hold it down. And as we said, you know, Patrick Wad playing very well in net, but has yeah. not had huge workload. So that, as anyone who's watched the Avs since uh, about 2010 is used to the Avs facing 40 shots on a regular basis. So yeah, definitely a bit of culture shock there. <laughs> it really is. It's very impressive to watch because they are, they are going against a team that is known for their ability to, to just chew up opposing offenses. Yep. And they're doing the exact same thing. They're saying, okay, well, we'll, we'll play this game. And right now, through three games, New Jersey has won the style battle, and Colorado's been totally fine with that. I mean, they're up two one. They've <laughs> exactly knowing how this series is about to play out. I'm I kind of just want to skip this week. 
Yep. <laughs> get get, get straight week. to Monday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I I do want to see how this goes because I don't I don't remember it well, and I do really want to see you know how the sausage gets made, what happens in games four and five, uh, and and how they how they come to get there because right now through through three games and Colorado looks they just look like the better team. It's borderline domination, right? The the one period where the Avs struggled really was the first period of game 2 and that ended up costing them that entire game. But other than was, that, it was the last 6 minutes of that period too. It wasn't yep. even the whole period. It right. was that that one section of the game cost uh, cost them otherwise this could have easily been three them running away with it for sure yeah so in that regard they've certainly been the better team obviously that uh that might end up changing a little bit but we'll get to that when we get there i i'm kind of just looking through the avs roster for this series and they stayed completely healthy obviously forsberg never played in it but the skaters they dressed for this series, every single one of them played all seven games. Whereas on the New Jersey side, they had a whole slew of players that had to step in, step out, played in a few games, then got dropped for somebody else. So mm-hmm. I, we talked about it with foot. We talked about it in game two with the jury banging his head off the glass and just kept on chugging. The abs found a way to stay healthy through this series. <laughs> they they survived better. Yep, that's that's probably a better way to put it. No doubt, more than a few of those guys were playing through some things. But yeah, the broadcast was talking about Jason Arnott probably nursing some injuries, and it's like you know, in a series where Peter Forsberg isn't going to play, I don't want to hear it. Yeah, for sure. Honestly, just shut up. I don't <laughs> want to hear it. I understand that it's like. Oh, he hasn't played very well, so we have to we have to randomly speculate that something might be wrong with the guy. We see we see Avs fans do it all the time. You know, this year it was Landeskog wasn't playing very well for a little while, and so yep. it was like, oh, maybe he's still hurt. And it was like, no, he's just not playing very well. It happens, and you know, and I'm I have no doubt that Jason Arnott was nursing something. But you get you get through three rounds of the postseason, everybody is. Yep. And when when a player like Peter Forsberg, who's arguably the most talented player in the series, probably is not going to play a single second in the series, I just don't want to hear it. Yes, I I think AJ and I agree with you, Steph. He had the dad bads. Oh, <laughs> or yeah. at least I agree with you. Hundred percent. I yep. that's been that's been my theory for months. Yep. So maybe the the baby is sleeping well or was sleeping well once he finally came out of it. But either way, that is on the road. Yeah, right. He was like, there was a point where his point production was like double on the road what it was at home. So there was there was something to that theory. But that is in 2019, 2020. And we are back in 2001 right now. Is it a little bit? So obviously, Patrick Watt essentially revolutionized the game with the hybrid, but watching these games through, especially on the rare occasions that they use the behind the goalie and the net cam, five holes were gigantic back then. Like it seemed like they had no idea how to manage it. Yeah, and uh the other the other thing is the way that they defended pucks in the corner. Yeah. And how goalies kind of just like 
backed up really far into that and just put their skates like right on the right on the goal line instead of you know what we see now with all the uh all the reverse vh stuff that yep. these guys do yep that have like eliminated wraparound goals made it basically impossible yeah yeah and and you you see these guys aren't like aren't like using the net to almost like sit down in it's very i i've i found it interesting to see the the way that goalie technique has evolved especially in that area where uh, pucks are around the net and uh, goaltender technique is just so much better today than than it yeah. was back then. We should try and hit up JJ or like goalie giant or somebody. Yeah, get Jeremy get... or JJ to come on yeah. and like watch one of these games. Yeah, we totally should. And just watch them like have horrifying looks on their faces as these goalies try and perform. <laughs> like, just have an ISO cam every time there's a big save. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Watch watch one of them lose it in game one when Wa like is standing up and like kicks that puck. Yeah. That comes careening in on him. <laughs> I'm so down for this idea. We're we're definitely making that happen, even if we have to go watch like some other game. Uh, all right, we can wrap up period two there and it's starting to get down to that crunch time of the year. I know there's a lot of craziness going on, but taxes are still a thing. And with everybody staying at home, I know it's crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, I've just totally forgotten about it. Honestly, it, for m- most people, I think there's been uh, more important pressing things going on in the world. So, if you are behind on taxes like we are, you can go to Symbio Tax and they can hook you up. You can get a free consultation when you call them at 720-366-4470. George over there is a proud DNVR subscriber. He's awesome. He supports us. We want to support him. One big happy family. You know the drill. And even if your taxes are done, he can also help you with rental properties, small businesses, investments, and basically understand everything you need to know, whether it be taxes or otherwise. So be sure to give him a call. Again, that was 720-366-4470 or visit him online at symbiotax.com, S-Y-M-B-I-O-tax.com. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's with Nathan Rudolph and AJ Hayfley. The Avs managed to get the first win on the road. I don't want to get too deep into the what-if scenarios here, as I know that's something we'll probably be doing a bit more down the line, but how important do you think it was to this series for the Avs to win this game specifically and, and kind of get their win back from losing the home game, splitting one and one to start? Well, I mean, it set them up. Yep. It set them up so that from from here on, all they had to do was win at home to win the series. Now, oh. we know how it played out, right? But that's huge to get the when you're when you have home ice advantage and you they split at home with you for you to immediately split back on the road guarantee yeah. that split you regain your home ice advantage right away yep because if they split with you in games 1 and 2 you lose home ice advantage right because then all they have to do is just win their home games to win the series so to get to get that back and we know how important it was for this group after losing multiple game sevens on the road. We know how important it was for them 
to have that home ice advantage and to have that confidence in playing in Colorado, this put them on the road to being able to win the series in Denver. Yep. You, it is always that awkward situation with five, six, and seven being home away home. Yeah. That game six on the road is always a, a make or break game, right? It, it can be a game that is for the cup. It can also be a game that's for elimination for you potentially, which spoilers, we already know that's what it was for the abs, but it, it's very different trying to win, especially in the playoffs. The, the atmosphere is, is so absurd. And we've talked about the current abs team feed off the fans. Honestly, the team back then did as well. So, do you how do you, how do you feel about that playoff format? Because I've always wondered if it's better to do the way that it is now with two two one one one, mm-hmm. or would you rather do two three two? I like two two one 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 better. I mean, obviously, I understand it from it's a bit rougher from a travel perspective. Yeah, but it's the same. It's the same for both teams, so I don't worry about that too much. It is right, exactly. Uh, so. The reason I like it is because it gives the home ice advantage team a chance to clinch in five at home, which I I much prefer that opportunity because you you'll see that pretty regularly. A series end up going four one. Uh, you have to play three games on the road. That makes game six because obviously you want game seven on the home ice. So yeah, the the two three two I do not like if if you're the team who has the advantage and the series ends in 5 with the team with the worst record having played more games at home that's it feels a little bit cheap of a of a way to win if you're the the team with the better seed i suppose oh victor you use george hell yeah man appreciate you going out and, and supporting the sponsors awesome so i the formatting is what it is. It's not something that I would be super upset about if it were two three two or or otherwise. But you know, I just think it's different. Yeah, and it's something I think about a lot, just because I'm I'm curious. Like speaking about like a what if university or universe, right? Yeah. Like, what if what if it was a two three two? You know how how different would this two thousand one series have been? Had they had games six and seven been in Denver, both no, been I mean, at I home, it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, it didn't probably wouldn't have changed that much the way things ended up playing out ultimately. Yeah. But it definitely could have made a difference in in a plenty of series, both leading up to this and and on the Devils' side as well. So don't know, don't know exactly what to say on on the the scheduling because we'll never know. <laughs> but yeah. Of course. I mean, who knows? Maybe that's something we could see this uh, August or September if the Evs and hockey come back. Uh, it does. It does allow for uh, theoretically a faster series because you could play right. You could play games six and seven on back to back days. Exactly. Yeah. It's just less trips in general, too. You know. Yeah. So it would be faster, fit more into the world of virus quarantine that is out there now with less travel. So it would be interesting certainly to, to see those differences and, and, and all of that, but we'll have to wait and see as for this game 
this series. I wish Patrick Wall would just stay in his net. <laughs> Real adventurous individual. Yep. Never, never been afraid to to go out there. Almost cost him in this game. The Devils ended up hitting the post as near the end of the the second period. Is I think he got a piece of that too. He, I, he might have. Hard to tell, but yeah, yeah. I mean, we got one replay of it, and it was at full speed, and it was yeah, like, <laughs> in four by three with VCR scan lines all over it. So. <laughs> right, it's pretty hard to. I was glad they uh they played the replay of the uh first goal because didn't see that shot from school up never saw the puck at full speed nope <laughs> had no idea and when it went in you're just like and, and they had the confused reaction it was like no they didn't see it either <laughs> i don't know where the press box was yep. uh, in that arena back in 2001 but they did not see that puck gold judge saw it though that's all that counts yep so Guys on the ice were pretty excited about it <laughs> I don't I liked Borkselly. He was pumped when he scored his goal, man. He went off. I mean, I know like Yeah, Superman also man punches the glass. He also went pretty ham, that's fair. See, that's what that's what we need more of in hockey. We need none of this subdued goal stuff. And to be fair, Joe Sackick was always very subdued when he scored, but I want crazy goal celebrations. Bring them back. Yeah. Um it was that was one of the interesting parts of the uh, Landeskog interview on the podcast that I posted today. Uh, was he said, you know, do you even celebrate goals? Like, who do you do them for? The fans? Like, there's no fans. You know, talking about playing in empty or uh, potentially playing games in empty arenas. Right. And he was, who would you even do them for? Is there even a point in celebrating a goal? Like, what what kind of celebration would you even do? Would you look dumb doing it? And I, I just got it. Got me to thinking, like, what? Yeah, what would you do if I scored a goal? I'd be celebrating like crazy. Yeah, I'll tell right? you, that. I don't care if there's You're nobody excited. there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you and your teammates are still there, right? Yep. Like, there's still a game on the line. You're trying to win. <laughs> Every goal matters. Yep. So that's where I'm at with it. Kind of starting to wrap it up here, AJ. What good game? It was a good game. It. After I just got over the fact that I was like, okay, this there's just going to be 20 shots a game per team, and I have to accept that in my life. Yeah. It was a very, very good game. And I'm excited to see things start to turn up a little bit. Obviously, there's been a lot of edge to this series, but once you get to game four, five, six, seven, that second half, it's a whole nother level at that point. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Any final thoughts on uh, game three or the first three here? Um, Final thoughts, man. I, I don't think I have any. I think this is, it's been a lot of fun to watch. Been a lot of fun kind of re-experiencing this. Uh, yeah. That was a, this has been my favorite game of the series so far. It was a good, it was a good game. It was an interesting game. Uh, both teams played well. It wasn't a blowout and it wasn't, Outrageous. Total snooze fest. Yeah. It was competitive uh, throughout. I mean, you go into the third period tied at one, you know, it's a good game. Yeah. I'm with you on that. It's quality hockey. Two very, very good teams full of Hall of Fame players doing their thing. Can't complain about that. It's a night well spent for me. 
for sure. Would just like to echo. Really appreciate all the people coming out and and watching it with us. That very cool to have that experience. As the first time watching this, we were both kids sitting at home, and I'm sure you know watching with our parents and things like that. But didn't have the the avalanche crowd directly there to communicate with as the game developed. So yeah, not the not the same level of passion when you got. 150 people in a chat room singing Blink-182 together. Exactly. It's it's an awesome time. If you haven't come out to one yet, highly recommend you try and, and make it out to at least one of these games. As there are still four left in the series, and we will be live watch-alonging with all of them, so just keep a lookout for that stuff. When Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 6 p.m. Mountain Time is when we do them, so hope y'all join us for the next couple. Other than that, I guess we're going to get out of here for this one. Uh, it's Monday, so four more shows ahead for the week. We'll see what we could come up with for you. I'm sure we got plenty of stuff, but and then obviously games on Wednesday and Friday. Thank you for listening, or if you watched along, thank you for watching, and we will talk to you tomorrow. I don't think anyone in this series has lost a tooth yet, but we did confirm on the Twitch chat that missing teeth... Not an attractive quality, even for a hockey player, according to the women in the chat. So Green Mountain Dental Group is in Lakewood to help you with that. And they're one of the best family-owned dentists in the metro area and awesome sports fans just like all of us. Plus, when you order a... When you order, when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you can get a free Sonicare toothbrush... Be sure to let everybody know. Show off your brand new awesome electric toothbrush. They are just 15 minutes from downtown Denver, so Green Mountain Dental is really easy to get to. And you know what? If it's an emergency and you need dental work done, even in quarantine, they can get it done for you. So just remember to keep an eye out for that cleaning x-ray and exam to get your free toothbrush.